Welcome to this playoff edition of the Better Rivals Podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week it is officially wild card playoff time. The 49ers head to Dallas for the revival of a playoff rivalry. And with me this week, here to explain why there is no cap in our rap, it's David Newman. Excuse me, what? There is no cap in our rap, David. This is a direct quote from Arden Key. Arden Key was asked about you know, future contract negotiations, how he feels about San Francisco. His general sentiment was positive. And then he says, there is no cap in our rap between him and the 49ers. And I am pretty sure all of the beat writers looked at each other and said, what is happening? What, what does that mean? Is that, is that, that's what, if that's what the beat writers are saying, I'm just saying like, that's, that's maybe what I'm saying. It seems like it's probably a good thing. Uh, as far as I can surmise, but, as far as I can surmise, uh, it's basically there's yikes. there's no BS in our conversation, no BS in our interaction, uh, no cap You'll, is like you know, just incredibly old right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm not I'm gonna be completely forthright here, and saying, I texted my brother about this just to confirm <laughs> that I was translating this. My brother is is quite a bit younger than I am, um, and he makes sure that I keep track of all the lingo so you know I, I had i had some help it was either that or urban dictionary right i wasn't sure which <laughs> which uh direction that you were gonna go to but uh yeah if, if i went to urban dictionary about this i'd probably think it was some kind of weird sex move or something like that's that's all that urban dictionary is at this point um but david it's the playoffs uh i will actually be going to the game so we will not have an immediate post-game reaction pod because I will either be very sad or very happy. But either which way, I will be in Dallas and I will not be back. And so we will do our post-game reaction on Monday uh, as opposed to Sunday. So just a little housekeeping off the top because I'll be going. I will be wearing my N95 and maybe another mask on top of it while I'm there just to make sure. Uh, I feel I to, to date, I have not, as far as I know, uh, had COVID. And so I do definitely feel like that meme that's going around, like Mario dodging all of the, uh, like the, the fireballs. Uh, it's yep. just everywhere, anyway. man. It's everywhere. Everywhere. But yeah, indeed. But this is a game that is exciting. This is probably the best game of the weekend. It's the tightest line. The Niners are three point underdogs. It is a rivalry game. I think these are two teams that have uh, just elite uniforms, honestly. And the Niners get to wear their home reds because the Cowboys are wearing white at home and the Cowboys are trying to white out the stadium, which is just going to make the red all that more apparent. So if you are a fan and you were going to this game, wear red, I will be wearing red. I'll probably be wearing my Frank Gore Jersey not because of the 21 little Deion Sanders uh, and, uh, and, you know, getting two birds with one stone there. And, and yeah, and so that that's your public service announcement, but the game is going to be tons of fun. And, and the first thing I think that we're probably going to talk about in terms of the preview is really about the Niners secondary, because we've been mentioning how D'Amico Ryans has basically kind of goaded teams, goading te- goaded teams into not throwing the football. But this is a team that their strength, especially on offense against the 49ers, is really going to be in throwing the football. I'm just saying, when you look at, at the matchups, right, and you look at the receivers that Dallas has and then you see the corners uh that that are likely to be across from them in many situations it doesn't leave you with like a warm fuzzy feeling in in your stomach there like it's it's ugly right like it's it's just not where 
the 49ers are going to are going to be strong, right? They're going to need to. And, and it seems like this is nearly an, an every week conversation with us to some degree, right? Whether it's in in the recap episode talking about, you know, something going wrong back there or in the preview saying like, hey, this matchup doesn't look great. Um, and, and they've largely been able to avoid disaster because D'Amico Ryans has dirt on every offensive coordinator in the NFL and they've got a, a strong pass rush, right? But I, I, I think, yeah, it's going to uh, certainly be something that that is a big point in this game, and that's going to be how well they can manage to to kind of keep a lid on that Dallas passing game. Yeah, I think when you, when you look at a breakdown of the best passing offenses in the playoffs right now, and this is using a blend of EPA per play and PFF grades that is adjusted for defenses faced. So think of this as kind of like, almost a slightly better version of DVOA. The Cowboys are basically the fifth best passing offense. You've got Tampa Bay, the Bengals, Green Bay, Kansas City, and then you've got the Dallas Cowboys. Incidentally, the 49ers, uh, third from the bottom, you've got the Steelers, which are one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> and then they're actually, they're very, very bad. And then the Raiders and the Niners. But I think if you're looking at the the story so far at the end of this year, that's something that we've said every week, right? Like, don't throw against like throw against the corners. That's the deficiency, and yet it hasn't happened. And, and that's because teams don't start chucking like they, they they just don't chuck bombs. And the closest thing that we that we've seen uh, to that is Green Bay at the end of the game, the Bengals when they went down and they realized, oh look, there's actually a bunch of holes in this in this defense. And, and I don't know that the Cowboys are necessarily going to go that route either because in general, they haven't played super explosive football to date. When you look at, uh, at Dak Prescott, he finished 22nd in their aver- in aver- average depth of target, which means he's just not throwing the ball super deep. Um, he's basically tied for Jimmy Garoppolo with the lowest average depth of target on, on throws 20 yards uh, in the air. And so that's, I mean, generally they've been efficient, but they haven't been explosive in terms of dropping bombs which may feed right into the 49ers and the way they want to play defense. Yeah, and I think like the the point there with uh you know the the being tied with Jimmy in terms of of how far he's throwing on the deep throws, right? So it, it's not necessarily that they're not taking like a ton of chances. I mean, Dak's not like a, the, the highest in the league by any means in, in terms of the the amount he's throwing those 20 plus throws. But the problem is is it's more there they're not really as many actual true deep shots like it is that with Jimmy right it's almost like long intermediate throws right and so that's why you see oh when you when you specifically isolate the 20 plus ones and you see a lower average depth of target there that's kind of what it it leads you to right is is they're not necessarily taking big deep shots down the field on on really deep vertical routes it's kind of stuff that's probably just barely beyond that 20 yard threshold, right? There's a lot more of those type of things mixed in because yeah, when you look at like the specific splits in terms of just how frequently he's throwing deep intermediate short, he's kind of roughly middle of the pack in, in about all of those, right? So it's not necessarily that they're not going to throw it uh, or, or that uh, I guess I should say that all of their stuff is underneath. They just don't have those like true deep shots that are really deep downfield is a big part of their offense, right? And and that those are really the things that that have hurt the 49ers, right? You think of the deep vertical shots down the sideline. That's when problems have, have happened, right? Whether it's guys getting beat 
or obviously all the penalties that they've had to deal with on those type of throws. And so when you look more, when you keep it a little bit tighter, I think that puts kind of the second level of their defense, the middle of their defense, a little bit more in the spotlight, right? What are those linebackers going to be doing? What are the safeties going to be doing? And and a lot of the matchups there, if that's where they kind of continue to throw the ball, uh, are probably going to be a little bit more important. Would you play this game plan more like you would see against Arizona, where you're playing a lot of split coverages, a lot of cover four, or would you play more of that, you know, kind of single high game plan? Because we know that D'Amico Ryans has played different types of game plans for different types of, of teams. Is this going to be one of those cover two, cover four game plans? Yeah, I think I think it should largely be a situation where you are more worried about the pass, right? And and I think there's also like a little bit of an element to it. You see this in certain like 49ers stats, right, where they tend to um, be pretty good defending outside zone and, and things like that, right? Things that their offense does really well, like they tend to be uh, a little bit better at defending those kind of things. And so uh, as we're going to get to a little bit later, when we talk about the Cowboys defense, they play a lot of single high stuff, right? They play a lot of cover one, a lot of cover three. Um, and, and so you feel like their offense is going to be a little more used to seeing that stuff every day too. And, and I think that kind of plays into their hands a little bit. And, and so, yeah, I think that combined with you're, you're certainly most worried about what they can do in the passing game. Um, I, I think you're willing to kind of give up a little bit on the ground, at least early, right? You see how it goes. And, and I think the 49ers have largely held up well against the run in those situations. So yeah, I, I would hope for more of a too high type game plan. Yeah, I think that they that they have the ability to stop the run with their front seven and, and really their front four. And it's because of the move of Eric Armstead inside as a three technique. He has been just really, really good this year. And and we've talked a bit about him the last couple of weeks, but he really is, I think, providing some value on the contract that he signed uh, and, and kind of proved really the, the Niners' strategy in getting the pick and signing Armstead, especially now that he's moved into three technique. And, and I think that with that front seven, you can afford to keep a safety out. You can afford to play over the top and still have some juice, especially because the Cowboys running backs are... I mean, I don't think Ezekiel Elliott is, he's still a good running back, but he's not super explosive. And Tony Pollard is kind of hobbled. I don't know that he's going to play this game. So that that's the running back I'd worry about is Tony Pollard, honestly. Um, and, and so I think that you've got the ability to bottle up that run game, especially if Greenlaw is going to come out there and play like he did some zoomies. Uh, then, then all of a sudden you, you've got the ability to contain that run game and still have, you know, uh, a, a split safety look, which is, I think, what the Niners are going to need to play in this game if they're going to want to stay competitive and not get into a negative game script. Right. And I think, like, the thing that that playing too high allows them to do, especially, is to kind of give their cornerback some help, right? I mean, it certainly is is better now that they've got Mosley back and hopefully he can stay on the field for the entire game uh, and, and be out there and, and you can feel a little bit more solid about one one spot. But when you've got that too high structure defensively, there's just different things you can do to help your corners out where you can kind of limit the the, the types of routes that they need to cover, right? So for instance, if you're, you're playing cover four from a lot of looks, you can give inside help, right? So the cornerback, if you get like a deeper dig type route, 
the safety is is a lot of times going to be sitting there ready to drive on that time, kind of thing. And so he can play more outside leverage, worry about uh, kind of the outbreaking stuff, or you can do something, you know, like cover two, cover six, where you get that deep help over the top. And so now they can kind of come down to the line of scrimmage. They'd be a little bit more aggressive right up there uh, in press, and then they can kind of just worry about the shorter stuff, right? The, the stuff in the short and intermediate areas, knowing that they've got that safety over the top to help them on the vertical routes. And so uh, I think, yeah, that that's something that obviously you, especially for somebody like Ambry Thomas, who has been, you know, certainly trending in, in the positive direction, still want him in a position where he's not being left on uh, alone on a lot of islands. Right. And, and I don't think this is going to be a game where the Niners are going to want to blitz a whole hell of a lot. Um, Dak Prescott has been fairly good against the blitz. And I mean, the pressure kind of affects everyone and every quarterback gets a little worse. But when you look at Dak Prescott's PFF passing grade when he's been blitzed, it's about a little better than Jimmy Garoppolo in his overall grade. Um, and so like he's still he's still doing pretty well when you throw blitzers at at Dak Prescott. And and so I think that this is not going to be a blitz heavy game. Fred Warner actually rushed the passer, I think, seven times against the Rams, which is the most that he's rushed the passer since week four against Seattle. I think they might, you know, kind of mug Warner up a little bit, but I don't think that they're going to blitz him a lot. I think they're going to really expect him to do what he does in coverage, which is one of the things he does really, really well. So this is going to be a game where I think the Niners are going to want to pick at the Cowboys offensive line with their front four, do what they've been doing with Arden Key, do what they've been doing with with Armstead and Bosa, move Bosa around and really begin to kind of start to to get at the, the team where uh, I don't think they're going to have um, their, their tackles are going to be back. And so it's, it's really going to be the interior of the line where you're going to be able to, I think, get some plus matchups because I think that those left tackles are going to be strengths for the Cowboys. And so really, it's going to be like the Rams where you're picking at the interior of that offensive line to try to get some pressure on the quarterback. Right. And, and I think they've done a good job um, in, in terms of moving guys around along the front right you see sometimes you know obviously Bosa they're moving him around uh, kind of as much as they really can get away with uh trying to just get him some some situations where he can get individual matchups right and get these one-on-ones uh but you see it with Armstead you see it with a lot of them right they they kind of bounce around sometimes they're outside and and this is talking about the kind of clear passing situations right the third down packages and and stuff that they get into and I think that's where yeah you you want to still be a little creative and and run some of your stunts inside that they've been doing. Um, but yeah, you really got to try, I think, as much as possible to get away with getting after Dak with just four. And, and again, we talk about it a lot, but this is why they put all that money right to the defensive line. Like those guys have to show up and, and kind of ease that burden a little bit on the back end. And if they can consistently get some sort of pressure with four and still drop your seven into coverage. Like it's just going to be a a big benefit for them because the fewer guys that you have in coverage, right? Each one of those that you pull out and you send as a rusher, well, that's more space, you know, that, that either somebody's got to be able to cover in zone coverage, or that's less help that they've got. If you're playing man coverage, right? It just kind of, everything becomes a little bit more open and you put, more strain on those back end players. And so I think they want to certainly they're they're going to have some situations in third down and, and whatnot where they're going to bring out some of those pressure packages. But I think it, it should be something that is certainly like more the exception than the rule in this game. 
Yeah, when we talked about how the Niners' rush packages were effective against the Rams, what one of the things that we saw was by alignment and them trying to get the protection to slide to one side and get isolated, basically Bosa one-on-one, where you would see Bosa out in his wide nine alignment on one side of the offensive line, and then you would see three defensive tackles, um, basically, on the other side of the offensive line, and, and you're trying to get that slide over to force a one-on-one or create a favorable matchup somewhere. And, and the Niners did that fairly effectively. They worked some blitzes off of that. You had some good individual matchups with Armstead or DJ Jones or Arden Key. That's the kind of thing I think they're going to need to do, really work those stunts, work those games, because this is going to be a game that they're going to have to rely on the formula that they built. They put a bunch of resources on that defensive front. This is what has been carrying that defense by and large. And they're going to need a big game from that defensive front if they're going to slow down the, the Cowboys offense. Now, one of the things I think that you're hoping is that you're catching the Cowboys on a downswing. When you look at the EPA per drive over the course of two splits, right? Basically pre-deck injury, post-deck injury. Weeks one through six, their, their EPA per drive basically would have finished first over the course of the year if they were able to sustain it. But when you look at post-injury, when you look at weeks nine to 17, their EPA per drive would have finished 21st. So their offense is not as prolific in the back half of the season as it was in the first half. And when you look at the teams that they've beat, I mean, they beat like the Eagles backups. You know, they, they lost to the Cardinals. The, their schedule has not been, you know, super uh, aggressive in terms of the back half of games where they've, they haven't always looked super great. So if anything, you're hoping that you're maybe catching the Cowboys on a downswing as opposed to that super explosive offense that they had to the beginning of the year. Yeah, I think you're you're definitely hoping so, but I, I I think just kind of looking now at the the like game by game splits, it seems like a lot of that uh kind of you know negative EPA that that you're getting in that second half split is really more early in that split, right? It, it's really like starting weeks nine through like around 13, 14. And, and they've really kind of gotten things back on track a little bit more over the final month, right? So you've got at least positive EPA per play on on all of their last four games with a couple of big games in there, especially, um, you know, obviously this this last game against the Eagles where they put up a bunch of points and stuff. So yeah, I, I think like you're, you're hoping that they're not quite as efficient, but um, I don't know. It's going to be, I, I, we don't know if they're going to be quite that lucky. Hopefully they're not figuring things out and, and getting back to that kind of same level that they were at early in the season. Like all I'm saying is it's a lot easier to get positive EPA when you're playing the, uh, Joe judge giants, when you're playing the Washington football team and when you're playing the Eagles backups, you know? So I think maybe, I mean, hopefully look, these are fair points. Fair, <laughs> but still, you're getting at least like you, you haven't been playing bad football, you know, in a month at least. It may have been easier because you've got, you know, worse competition playing, you know, your entire division. Uh, but they even had, you know, a decent game against the Cardinals there offensively, just looking uh, purely by by the data there. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, it, it, it certainly doesn't uh, hurt to be playing better football, even if it's against worse competition than you're going to be going up in the playoffs. But now we get to the matchup that may break this game open, the matchup that maybe defines this game, the matchup I know everyone has been waiting to see again, Dan Quinn versus Kyle Shanahan. That's what you were thinking, right? That's what everybody was thinking. Yeah. Uh, the, the Cowboy, like th- this is where I think 
you think to yourself, okay, does uh, the narrative I've seen a little bit that crop up is like, does Dan Quinn have Kyle Shanahan's number because he beat him in 2019? And I'm like, that's no, that's, that's okay. We can, we can set that one aside. Um, you know, I think (laughs) you look at really what Dan Quinn defense has done and his, his defense has gotten a lot of publicity for, for turning around for being good because the Cowboys defense was not good uh, under previous defensive coordinators. And now Dan Quinn comes in and that defense is good question mark. They have a lot, they've got some flashy plays and they've got some flashy players, but what really do they do well? And how does that match up against the Niners? And if you're a 49ers fan, the very first thing you should run to look at is how that defense defends the run. Number one thing. And when you look at how the Cowboys defend the run, they're, they're kind of vulnerable against it in a really weird way. If you look at their overall run defense grades and their performance defending the run, it's not too great. 22nd in team run defense grade, 27th in EPA per play allowed, and they're 24th in explosive run plays allowed. They've allowed 14 runs of 20 plus yards, um, which is not great. Not great overall. So explosives, Overall, in general, they give up some good runs. Uh, This is the area, if you're a Niners fan, you're thinking, yes, I'm going to attack this. But there's a pretty big caveat to how good or bad they are at defending the run. And, and and I think like look, bottom line is it's still gonna be what what the Fortnite's wanna do. But yeah, I, I think it's interesting that you look at and this was something that kind of uh came to mind as we tried to watch through a little bit of the Vikings game, right? So trying to find an offense that's similar-ish to to what the 49ers are gonna be doing, more under center stuff. We know that you're gonna get outside zone. And a lot of the the bigger runs that um, Minnesota was able to get in that game um, were against more too high looks, right? So when Dallas is taking a safety out of the box. Um, but we know just on on kind of a down-to-down basis, that's not usually what they're doing. And, and so they're typically going to be more of a single high team. They still play a lot of cover one and cover three. And that's going to especially as- extend to base downs, right? When you're kind of uh, on first and second down, when the 49ers are going to want to run the ball a lot, um, they're going to be in that, that single high look more often than not. And, and you would expect that you know they're going to come into this with a game plan that's going to be focused on taking away the run and so you're probably going to see an even higher proportion of their plays come from those single high looks right and they've been a lot better when they do that and so you're talking about uh the the difference is going from essentially the worst run defense in the nfl when they play with a too high shell right so if they if they have an open look where they've got two safeties back they're basically worst in the league in terms of epa per play allowed worst in the league in terms of uh pff run defense grade as a as a team but when you go to their single high stuff it's it's quite a bit better right it, it's still not great they're not like a top five run defense or something but it, it's more in that like above average range right that 12 to 15 kind of area and, and so i i think yeah they're not probably quite as bad as the overall numbers look when you kind of break it down more situationally and and look at the things that we're probably more likely to see in this game yeah, so I think that that's still the defense's weakness, but it's not as big of a weakness as it might be if you're looking yep. at their aggregate stats and you're looking at how they defend the run overall. They that their defense is still a little boom busty and it's still a little vulnerable. And, and the the players that are going to get a lot of publicity for the Cowboys are going to be Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs. And, and I think that those might be the names that get a lot of publicity. But if you're the Niners, especially for a single high defense, you're really going to be attacking linebackers. 
this is what Shanahan does. This is what he basically, you know, makes his money off of. And, and especially if the Niners can force the Cowboys into their base defensive front, which I think they're likely going to do, especially if they are going to play with that single high shell. You look at Keanu Neal. That's that's someone you got to circle if you're a Niners fan and you're like, this is the guy that we're going to attack. You look at Trayvon Diggs, especially on end breaking routes, and, and that's maybe someone you're going to attack because those are going to be the weak points of the 49ers defense. Trayvon Diggs, he uh, there was a really great article written, I think, last week. There was before the Week 18 game uh, on Pro Football Focus talking about how, yes, he has those flashy interceptions, but by and large, he's been a below average corner in terms of yards that he's giving up, in terms of coverage grade, uh, in terms of all of the things that a corner is supposed to do play by play, he's not that great, but he is a risk taker and he does end up with lots of interceptions, which, you know, there's an argument there about whether or not that offsets some of the other stuff and whether or not that's kind of how defense is played now. But I think overall, you can pick on digs and you can pick on their linebackers and that's what the Niners do well, especially in the pass game. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the linebackers, right, are, are certainly the level that you're pretty excited about because they just throw to the middle of the field so often. And and you're going to be, you know, against, again, they play a lot of cover three. And they do actually lean with their, you know, single high stuff. They do lean a little more heavy on the man side. So you will see a lot of cover one in there and, and guys having to win these one-on-one matchups. But I think, yeah, on the interior, you've got to feel good about that, right? I think George Kittle against any of those linebackers uh is going to be a great matchup for you i think even you know getting some of the backs out on those guys and then when you align any of your receivers right they move those guys around you get a lot of condensed formations and and whatnot so yeah i think you're going to have some opportunities to to kind of isolate some of those second level defenders and and really kind of pick on them and that's what the 49ers love to do right i think that's kind of the perfect weakness to your coverage unit which yeah has been solid overall and and certainly creating turnovers uh is is huge and and can be such you know significant plays in the game and that's gonna be i mean no question like a focus for the 49ers right they can't give this Cowboys offense extra opportunities um, and, and kind of put their defense in a bigger bind there. So I think their ability to to take care of the ball is going to be huge. But just looking at, yeah, the specific matchups that they should be most likely to attack, I, I think paints a little bit of a better picture here. So it's kind of the opposite of the run defense, right? Like that, the, the pass defense very much seems like a clear strength, but in, in certain areas, right, I think there are some weaknesses there at the linebacker level where the 49ers are going to, you know, spend a lot of time attacking. Yeah, and that's and that's one of those things where it fits a little bit like a glove, where it's like they don't do well what the Niners can execute really well against. And that's where, you know, I think the over-under was set initially at 51 points. I think some people were saying it might go over 51 because of that reason. You've got the Cowboys offense, and then you've got a Niners offense who kind of fits into what the, the Dallas defense doesn't do all that well the other big player for the Niners or for the the Cowboys defense is going to be Micah Parsons and he I think he was PFF's rookie of the year Uh, it was a rookie defensive player of the year something like that I mean he's been incredible especially when he's lining up at the defensive end spot and as a pass rusher his pass rush win rate which is really difficult for me to say quickly by the way pass rush win weight is (laughs) is is incredible it's really good he wins at, at the level or better than really elite pass rushers when he's rushing from that defensive end spot or when he's on the edge. But he does play as an off-ball linebacker. That's where he was drafted. And and over the course of the year, he's played there about 518 snaps. And he's decent in coverage. And he's not very good against the run. 
So this is another area where if the Niners can keep him in an off-ball spot and not get him in you know, a place where he's just kind of teeing off and, and rushing over Tom Compton's side, which is the side where he prefers to rush off of, you can really mitigate what he does incredibly well just by kind of running and running the ball off and at him and keeping him in an off-ball position, which is exactly what the Niners want to do. Yeah, I mean, it really is like looking at, at two different players with him compared to, you know, based on, on the role that he has on the play. As a pass rusher, he's been special, right? Like just absolute monster at getting after the quarterback. And and that's even, you know, re- kind of regardless of where he lines up, even in situations where he's off ball and he's coming on a blitz and he's not necessarily starting on the edge or as, you know, a pure pass rusher right up on the line of scrimmage, he's still been incredibly effective in those situations. But it's, yeah, it's the other stuff, right? Once you look at him just from a coverage standpoint, from a run defense uh, standpoint, which still compromises the majority of his snaps, right? We're talking about when you kind of lump those two together, right about 600 snaps of those two combined where he's got, I think, what was it, like 300 snaps as as a pass rusher ballpark? Roughly two Um, to one. Yeah, so so you're you're in those situations where he's in in coverage or run defense, he's more of just like a a solid above average linebacker, right? Like kind of looking at the the whole combined and you're not really going to be too worried about what he can do in those situations. He doesn't scare you in coverage. Again, I, I think he may even be a liability as a run defender right now and and so those are the things that they're going to try and do. And I think a lot of that comes, you know, we talk about it uh, seemingly every week, but what kind of game script can the 49ers, you know, stay in here? Because if if they can keep it on track and, and they can keep it in situations where they don't have to abandon that run, um, it's going to be a lot more favorable for them. And, and you're probably not going to be looking at Micah Parsons having as big of an impact. Um, but if, if you get down early and you do end up having to throw a lot more and you're in more dropback situations, uh, that's probably going to be bad news for you. Yeah, and really the, the coverage that, that worries me if I'm a Niners fan is going to be some version of cover one robber. We've talked about how the Cowboys love to run cover one, and, and cover one robber just basically means you've got a whole player. So you've got a safety deep, and, and you've got a player in the holes. Often it's a safety, it's, you know, it's some other, sometimes it's some other you know, players. But Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't always see that coverage super well. Um, Josh Cohen had a, a, an interesting breakdown that he tweeted out when he talks about Jimmy Garoppolo's 19 turnover-worthy plays that were not fumbles. So these are basically aerial turnover-worthy plays. 16 of those 19 turnover-worthy plays were due to an overthrow or missing an underneath or robber defender on an in-breaking route. And, and we've all seen it. We've seen Jimmy Garoppolo go linebacker blind. We've seen Jimmy Garoppolo overthrow a receiver and have it just go into the waiting arms of a safety or a corner or someone else. And if they can limit those types of plays, if Jimmy Garoppolo does not turn the ball over, this is going to be a competitive game that the Niners can win. And, and I, I think that that's, that's really the key. And it's been the key for quite a while that, that if Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't throw, if he doesn't make the mistake, the Niners have the pieces on offense. They've got elite pass catchers in, in Kittle and Debo. They've got an, a true offensive weapon in Debo Samuel. And, and they can really take it to this Dallas defense despite how good they've played and despite the superstars they have as long as Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't give it away. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much where we're at every week, right, is what version of Jimmy are we going to get? And uh, I, I think I would be surprised if they can pull out 
another sort of game like we got last week against the Rams, right? Where in that one, the game script didn't go to plan. You know, they, they got down obviously 17, nothing early. They were still committed to the run. And, and that was part of what brought them back, right? We talked about the adjustments that the Rams made kind of expecting a more pass heavy approach. And they were like, nah, dog, we're still, still here to run this rock. We're not ready to throw it yet. <laughs> uh, and so like, I don't know that they're going to be able to get away with that sort of thing because as, as good as Garoppolo did play last week overall, I thought, um, there were still those plays, right? He still had the turnovers uh, and, and the situations where he's putting the ball in harm's way. And I don't know that they're going to be able to get away with it this week, right? It just seems like flying a little too close to the sun if, if that's kind of how things go. And, and I just don't necessarily have faith that even if the defense plays well, and, and look, at this point, we've got a whole season of them kind of overperforming their talent level, right? I, I think overall, they obviously have some very good players up front there but in the secondary it's it's been a lot more of a mixed bag linebacker has been banged up for a lot of the year and they've still managed to kind of keep everything together and and play very solidly uh most of the time this is a tough matchup for them and and so you can't have your quarterback putting them in bad situations i honestly i I would expect i mean shanahan is conservative by nature but i feel like he's going to be like just hyper conservative in this game. I do feel like this is going to be a little bit of the Vikings game plan from 2019 where they're going to try to run it early and often and over and over and over again and like run on first down, run on second down. That's, that's what I feel might happen. But I do think that, that there were some things in that Rams game that, that give me hope if, if you, they are going to see a lot of cover one Robert, because I, I do think that the Rams ran that a couple of times and, and Jimmy still had answers for it, especially when the, the thing that surprised me a little bit was him throwing to kind of a, a tightly covered receiver out near the perimeter. It was still on an in-breaking route. Like, let's not get carried away here. But there were a couple throws where it was, you know, pretty quick out, even though there was a, a DB there and it was close on Ayuk. There was another one on Debo. Um, and, and if he is starting to play a little looser because maybe he feels like this is his last hurrah in San Francisco and you've got check who's coming in saying this is the last time that we're going to play together, bro. And he's, you know, on that emotional high. So he's letting it rip. Um, then then I think if he can get those, those opportunities will be there against someone like Trayvon Diggs. They will. Um, or he's going to get he's going to get hit with the flag because guess what? Diggs is like their version of a better Josh Norman. Like, yeah, Josh Norman had the peanut punches. Right. And there's like there's some turnover value there. Sure. There's a lot of turnover value with Trayvon Diggs. I know. But he's going to get flagged and in coverage. He's not that great. Um, so those opportunities will be there if Jimmy Garoppolo can take advantage. And he did take advantage of some of those against that coverage type against the Rams. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I think again, he, he, they certainly have enough here to get this done. Like the matchup is, is good enough. And, uh, you know, I think this is part of the reason why I was like really hoping that they got the Cowboys in there is as, as scary as their offense is like, I don't know. It's just not, it doesn't feel the same as going against some of the other teams that they could have possibly faced, you know, in, in this first round matchup. So, uh, yeah, I, I think there's enough there, um, you know, in terms of the, the matchup specifically that they can look to take advantage of. And obviously they have good enough players that are that are capable of having for in, in a single game situation some great performances. Right. And so I, th- I just think they really 
need that from their offense from Jimmy Garoppolo in this game. Like he's got to be on point. He doesn't necessarily need to, you know, make a ton of big plays. He's not going to morph into another player, right? But we just need good Jimmy. He needs to take care of the ball, you know, be more a little bit more accurate and and just kind of take what's there, right? Shanahan's going to do a good enough job uh, of getting some schemed up situations for them that, that they can get some guys open. I think we can, you know, count on on the the weapons that they have in Kittle and Ayuk and, and Debo to be able to win some of these one-on-one matchups when they do get man coverage, right? It, it's just Jimmy's got to deliver it to him. Yeah, I think two things that that I'll, I'll leave you with here as, as we get into the quick hits. One of them is that the Dallas defense is 31st in the NFL in yards after the catch allowed per reception. They allow almost six and a half yards, 6.2 really, uh, yards after the catch per reception. League leaders in yards after the catch per reception, your San Francisco 49ers. Another instance in where what the Cowboys don't do well is exactly what the Niners need in order to make things go. Uh, and then... The, lastly, you, you've got the Cook Index. This is something from The Athletic, uh, just talking about kind of your, your throw rate, your early down throw rate. Kellen Moore and the Cowboys ranked just 13th in Mike Sando's final Cook Index rankings of the season. They do have the single game high in week one at 89%, which is bonkers. But they are not necessarily a throw, 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 especially early team, like, say, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who doesn't matter when or where whether they're up or down they're going to throw the football because they throw the football no risk and no biscuit right that's what they do but this 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 feels in terms of matchup like it's it's there it's there for the 49ers to take and i think they can take it uh, as long as they get good jimmy yeah, I, right. I mean, I, I will say I certainly feel better about this game. Like as we kind of were going through and doing research on it and, and kind of looking at, at these different splits and, and whatnot, like definitely felt better than I did initially. And like it just after, you know, knowing that they got into the playoffs once the Rams game was over and all of that and just kind of their the likelihood that they were going to be able to win a playoff game after that just didn't feel great because of, you know, it's, it just kind of felt like they've been a, a slightly above average team all year. And that doesn't necessarily leave you feeling super great going into the playoffs. But uh, yeah, I, I think this specific matchup could be fun. I mean, look, we could get bad Jimmy and then get blown out by three scores and, and it isn't anything like this, but there is very much a path there for them to, to take this game. All right, let's get to the quick hits. Uh, first on the quick hits is 31 points. 31 points has been the 49ers' high-water mark in terms of points scored during this 7-2 and run to end the season. I'm curious if that will be enough points. What do you think? Uh, I think it... I mean, it could be. Will it be? Like, yeah, I, I mean, again, the de- it, it depends on, on, you know, whether the defense continues to show up and, and whether what sort of dirt uh, D'Amico Ryans has on Kellen Moore, I guess, and how long the Cowboys wait to start kind of throwing at these outside cornerbacks a little bit. Right. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think it definitely can be, um, it just, you know, obviously the Cowboys are capable of putting up a shit ton of points if, if the mood strikes. Yeah. Whatever they're paying the private investigator on the Niners payroll, Jed York up that salary, get some more, get some more. We talked about the yards after the catch numbers for the 49ers and the Cowboys. And, and it, that is driven in large part because of Debo Samuel. He is the lead yak, bro. He leads the league in both yards after the catch per reception 
10.4 yards after the catch per reception. He His average at the target is like eight yards. So he leads the league in yards per catch at 18 plus yards, which is bonkers. And over half of that is generated after the catch. It's just, it's ridiculous. His his yards after, and this is from Next Gen Stats, his yards over the catch over expectation is basically five yards. So like normally you would expect him to get like five yards extra. He gets 10. He's, he's just on an absolute another level when it comes to getting the reception and adding to it. It's it's wild, man. And and we haven't even seen I mean, he still obviously gets his his share of screens and whatnot, but because he's been used as a runner, like just they're, they're straight handing the ball off to him now this year, like there haven't been they've pretty much abandoned the jet stuff. Like that hasn't been part of their offense yeah. this season. Um and, and so he's not getting, yeah, necessarily as high of percentage of his catches coming behind the line of scrimmage right on stuff like the little jet pop passes or, or other types of screens um and so he's getting them yeah m- more downfield than i think he has previously and still is just continues to make guys miss and, and force all sorts of crazy broken tackles and, and pick up those yak so other players on that yards uh, yards after the catch over expectation second is jamar chase third kendrick Bourne. okay fourth brandon ayuk and then you move to tight ends, and the second best tight end in yards uh, after catch over expectation, George Kittle. So you've got the Yak Bros. The, the name is holding, and the Cowboys, they're not ready. They're not ready. It's so funny. Uh, I feel like like contrasting Ayuk and Debo and the way they get yards after the catch, right? Because Debo, it's so physical, obviously. He's just like stiff-arming guys into the ground, running dudes over. Ayuk, it feels like he just kind of slips through people. Like he, he yeah. just kind of slides. Like you see him get those catches on on kind of the glance routes or the in-breaking stuff. And he just kind of like, before you know it, he doesn't really even seem to do anything. And he's picked up like seven extra yards, right? It's yeah. just kind of and like... And he's stumbling the whole way. Yeah. And he's like spun around a couple of times. But, <laughs> but he so still many, gets another five yards. <laughs> there's so many plays where I'm like, man, if he would just keep his feet, like he's probably housing this. Like, yeah. It is funny to see the difference between the two, though. Uh, so the, there is not a single team that beats the spread this season more than the Cowboys. 76.5% of the time they beat the spread. They're the first team to clear 75% since the 2016 Patriots at 81.3. Because, you know, the, the, the thing out there now is like, you know, good teams win, great teams cover. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, so if that's, if that's the case and the Cowboys are in the great stratosphere, we'll see if they're able to cover three points. Uh, and lastly, nobody has allowed fewer yards before contact per carry than the 49ers this season. That means that they are hitting ball carriers early with their defensive front. They're good against the run and they're going to need to do that with their front seven and give their corners some help. And if they can do that and we get good Jimmy, we're here for another one. Maybe maybe we're talking about Green Bay. Maybe it's a revenge game. Maybe we punch that COVID toe and say, take that, Aaron Rodgers. We're here for another one. Here for another one. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Only a couple more days. Find out. I'm excited, man. Playoff football, Niners-Cowboys. It's the way it always was. It's the way it should be. And uh, I just hope someone celebrates on a star. I just someone. I hope someone walks over to like the star and the helmet in the end zone and maybe just like puts their hand out. Like puts their hands out. Looks up at Which, the sky. Cowboys player is running out there to knock him over. 
Oh, I don't think I, I have no idea. If I had to guess, I would say mm, it's not. It's probably not one of the new ones, like not Malik Hooker, not Keanu O'Neill, like Leighton Vanderesh. That's that's the guy that I would think. Like you can't wear a neck roll and not defend your turf. Is Zeke going out there like slowly at this point? Like he's like rumbling no. out there. But no, nah. he's Zeke's like I'm trying to save the these cereal. knees. Yeah. He's trying to cut his. He's trying to make sure his midriff is good. You know, he's got to tuck it in under the shoulder pads. Yeah, this is it's good. It's playoff football. All right. I think that does it for this week's this playoff preview of the Better Rivals podcast. You can always follow me on Twitter at Better Rivals. David, tell them about the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Better Rivals. Look, we're winding down. Season is coming to an end here at some point, next few weeks or so. But so, not yet. But not, not yet. yet. Not yet. We still have that content coming. Head there, support the pod, buy us a beer. You'll love it. It's great. All sorts of fun stuff. You've heard it before. Thanks again for tuning in. And as always, go Niners.